Welcome to Everything's Not Black and White with your hosts, Lala and Brian. Going somewhere or going nowhere. Hate is a shortcut. Love is the long way. But it is the only road that will actually get you anywhere. Go the distance, beloved. Mm. That was a beautiful poem by American activist and poet Cleo Wade. And that is how we wanted to start the show today. So hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. We have a good one today. Let me tell you, we have one of my dear friends, fellow Aries, mm-hmm. you know, making it happen, rebel with many causes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Too many causes. <laughs> my girl, Miss Kira Williams. What's hey. up? Hey, Good to see you, my friend. It is so good to be here with both of you. Well, we are excited to talk today. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the middle of uh, the end of an election, let's hope, Mm -hmm. um, where there's been some definitely some challenges around conceding and presidential elect and a whole lot of things happening in the country. And it's honestly indicative of what has been happening um, really over the last four years. Um, this year, 2020, has been a very challenging year with the pandemic, with work from home, with quarantine, mm-hmm. with social and racial uh, uprisings and unrest, and this political season. A lot of things that people would say can cause rifts and divisions where people feel a lot more pressure to hate than to love. And so what we're talking about today with this episode is what does it mean to choose love? So we're excited to have um, Kira here because she's my good friend. I've known her probably close to 10 years now, hasn't it been? Yeah. It's about 10 years now. So we used to work together a long time ago and I always thought how amazing she was. She liked to say that (laughs) I was a mentor to her, but she was also a mentor to me. Because I always loved her style and just who she was and what she brought to the table. So, Kira, hello. Hello. You're so kind. <laughs> I, I have to tell the audience a quick story about how La and I met each other. <laughs> um, I knew La's voice and her laughter before I ever met her in person, which I actually love. Um, because every time – so we – we were in the same office, but we had a copy room and a door, a wooden door that uh, separated our cubicles. And every once in a while, while I was in the middle of the rhythm of my day, I would hear this eruption of laughter and this like really <laughs> loud laugh. And every time I heard it, it always came right on time. And it's the most infectious laugh that you, when you hear it, you just laugh with it and it's just like this great and so then when i finally met la i think i needed her for like bring your child to work day yes Um, that's right like ideas and then i heard her laugh in the meeting and i couldn't even concentrate during the meeting because (laughs) i just finally was able to place the person with the laugh and i will always remember you that way of seeing and because i think that's really powerful like your laughter and like people being able to hear and see your joy before they ever see who it is. Like, I think that's really powerful. Aww. I will always remember that about you. So, Thank you. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, almost 10 years now, which yeah, is crazy. That is so crazy. I think, um, I think it's so interesting because when we're at the store or something and we get on different paths, I don't have to look for her because I, all I have to do is listen <laughs> and I'll find that laughter just like what you're saying because it's something she's so well known for. I think that is so, um, 
powerful and and it reminds me of the woman who raised me mm. um in a different way so so one of the women that raised me so i was raised by my grandmother and my great aunts um and one of my great aunts my aunt patty um she had that laugh that you could see before you could hear Mm, love it. it was this um, bouncy laugh like she would silently start bouncing and then you would hear her laughter and she would just erupt into this laughter and it's one of those things that brings me joy to think about um, and so I will always think of joy when I think of your name because uh, I'll always you. remember that laughter thank you yeah. I love that so <laughs> I thank you for sharing that and I, and I love hearing your story and you talking about joy and love from a young age. So can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about how you were surrounded, how you felt love when you were younger and how you grew up. Yeah. So it's interesting. And I know we had a conversation before this that um, when people hear through some some of the trials and tribulations that I've been through, I think they center on that. Um, and something that I've started to do as an adult and really into my 30s, I've started to think about like, yeah, but I knew joy way um, sooner than I knew pain, mm. but I didn't know what it was until I went through the full cycle of seeing joy, seeing pain, seeing joy again, seeing pain again. Mm. I've had to experience that cycle of joy and pain many times in my life before I could go back and look at it and really appreciate the first moments of joy and, and love in my life. Mm -hmm. And obviously I think when I look back on my life, I think the first joy that I remember is the joy of my sisters. Mm. Um, and, you know, we grew up, we had a kind of turbulent beginning of, mm -hmm. you know, we had young parents who were not prepared to be parents who, mm -hmm. who had kids very young. As, as um, are most parents. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we were born into a, a cycle of, you know, my mom was, was an orphan and, mm -hmm. and my dad, you know, didn't have his dad. And so I think when we think about all of the things that, that don't quite set you up, mm -hmm. no one's prepared for it. And then there sure. are those who are really not prepared right. from, from a systemic and from a, social aspect right. but my sisters were my like protectors i was mm. like their little baby doll and really we're not too far apart in age but i just remembered um like braiding hair and like the things that brought us joy of like almost burning the house down with like using <laughs> using the hot iron and the pressing comb from the stove to like try to like straighten and curl girl, our baby doll's hair yes girl that, 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 yes. that's what brings you joy uh. <laughs> Wow, that's a, like, be a scary place. I mean, yeah, like, but the, those those are the things that bring me joy, just like that, that love. And then obviously the love of my grandmother and her sisters to raise mm -hmm. us um, before they passed. You know, they, they all kind of took turns. My grandmother had us. Mm -hmm. She passed away. Uh, we all went into foster care for a while. But I think that love enough for someone else's children mm -hmm. or, yeah, their, their children to take them yeah. into your home mm -hmm. and to give them a place to live and to mm -hmm. love them. And my Aunt Josephine was one of the first people to tell me how beautiful and smart I was. Mm. And I was thinking about this the other day because I, she, she used to collect dolls and we, we didn't have a lot of money. Like we grew up in the projects. We, we were incredibly financially poor mm -hmm. in terms of not having money, but there were certain things that we had that really bring me a lot of joy to think about. And so one of her prized possessions, my aunt Josephine was this rocking chair that she had in her room and she would always give uh, all of us our time like mm. whether it was 20 minutes like each kid she would give their time and we'd go into mm. her room and I would grease her scalp which you know if you know if you know if you know you know <laughs> if you know you know <laughs> you might have to enlighten there, some of our uh, listeners what there that was means. like a yeah. there was like a trade-off so my aunt 
my aunt was a black woman who had who had 4C hair, right? And mm-hmm. so one of the, our bonding moments was I would take a, a you know the the comb, and I would part down her hair, and like in in her scalp where it was dry, I would rub grease in mm-hmm. between the little parts to just mm-hmm. make sure her her scalp was moisturized, yes. and that was our moment. So you know I'd sit on her shoulders literally uh, while I was greasing her scalp, and then afterwards she would rock me in her chair, and she had these these baby dolls that she collected and while she was brushing my hair I would brush the little baby dolls hair Mm. and it was probably it felt like all night to me like it was just our time but it was probably like maybe an hour of the day that she would give us and I I would say that's the earliest um, memories of joy and love Mm. that I've felt I love it. Yeah. And it, and it feels like even I can feel the joy from you as you recall that story. Yeah. Which is really, really great. And, you know, I, I love that you're talking about, you know, being through certain challenges in life and going back to the source of love that you felt first and in, in trying to recapture that to help you get through those challenges, yeah. you know. I think one of the things that's interesting, um, and I'd love your take on it, and we've talked about it in the past for our audience, you know, you think about people right now in the world, especially in the business world, and you think about people who they say, oh, they pulled themselves up by their bootstrap, and they went through a lot of challenges, and that made them strong, and now they're in this corporate world, and they're, you know, they're really go-getters, and it's all that, Mm -hmm. that adversity that made them strong, you know, I think it's interesting, because you come from a different perspective Mm -hmm. about that so tell our audience a little bit about what you think about those things I've always been really apprehensive of leading with my story of in some ways what some would consider disadvantage and leading through kind of here are the obstacles you've you've been through and see Kiara did she pulled herself from her bootstraps Uh, because I think that's a dangerous narrative for a lot of reasons It's, it's a slippery slope for me because yes I did go through a lot in my life but that's not where my journey started. And mm-hmm. I think it's a lot of times, regardless of the journey that we're on, I think if you only credit and you kind of canonize and glorify the struggle, it makes it harder for those who are in the struggle, I think, to ever move past it. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think I believe in the law of rhythm and the law of polarity. And I think we're in constant perpetual motion in terms of cause and effect, mm-hmm. right? And so you might have times where, yeah, this is a tough part of your life that you're going through. But if you canonize that and glorify it, uh, and that's the thing that we attribute to your success and your ability to to make it, are you really incentivized to to look at something different or to look for the light? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, recently, I think there's, for me, it's felt like this glorification of the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. And it and again, it's a slippery slope because on one hand, I feel yeah, we should give credit to like understanding it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. But I think the weight that we give that um yeah. and again, that canonization of like now we we create these saints yeah. and women and people who have to work harder to get there. Yeah. And and that, there's something about that that feels like a almost like a less than like mm-hmm. even even at a time when you go through the struggle and then you feel like you want to let your guard down a little bit and it's like I just need to do this. No, you can't because now people expect yeah. you to pummel through all the hardships. Like you can't even take time to mourn or be sad or to deal with something yeah. because you just got to be strong and you right. got to keep pushing through. Yeah. Instead of being able to just kind of say, I need a moment. Yeah. To get through this. Yeah. yeah. There's a balance that we have to find, right? Where. And, and how do we find it is the question because mm-hmm. I don't I don't know yet how we find it. I just yeah. feel like how do we find that balance of 
understanding that there was a lot of work that it, it took for us to get there and mm. normalizing not having to go through that struggle and still finding yourself in the same place. And and again, not to, not to get too political because I know we, we have some thoughts around yeah. what's, what's going on right now, though, is very right. political in our country. I look at Stacey Abrams mm. and I look at, yes, give her her flowers. Yeah. She... she experienced something that she didn't want anyone else coming after her to experience mm-hmm. and she was willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. any individual gain on her um, part in terms of of her her wanting to solve for voter suppression yeah um in the state of georgia and i also look at that and think here we have another black woman in our country who we canonize because of the things she wasn't able, what she had to fight for. Mm -hmm. And so there's this balance of giving her her flowers and recognizing she fought Mm -hmm. for that. And also when will she be the last one that Mm -hmm. we have to create a martyr out of? Right. Like how do Mm. we change, how do we change the narrative and shift the narrative to where it's okay? Like what are we, when will we ever solve it? Yeah. And I, and I think it's, if, again, I don't have the answer to that. Yeah. I throw that out there as we've gotten really accustomed to fighting. Yeah. That sometimes I wonder, being a black woman, being yeah. a black indigenous woman, do we know what it's like to not have to? Have we seen, yeah. how, how will we get to the other side um, and see what it's like to not have to fight as hard? And it, it's, again, give her her flowers. Yeah. She deserves them. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of her, she has a, a wonderful documentary on Amazon mm-hmm. right now. You can click on the link in the, the feed here, and uh, take it. I'll take you right to it. And I highly recommend watching that. Yeah. yeah. It's called All In, the, the Vote yes. for Democracy. And it, it is powerful. Yeah. It is powerful. I, I love that you're ha- we're having this conversation. You're talking about the fight. And I've often said to Brian many days, like, I'm just tired of fighting. Yeah. I mean, I've said it so many times. Like, I just, I just wish I could just be fully myself without fighting to be myself. Yeah. You know? And I think one of the interesting things about myself and people who know me, they know I do love heart and I hug people. And when, when obviously when it's not COVID times, I hug people, (laughs) but I also say, I love you Mm -hmm. to people literally every day. Mm -hmm. My direct reports, they hear it from me every day in my coworkers. They hear it. I, when I sign off from people, I say, I love you all. I'll talk to you soon to even in, like our all staff meetings, I say it. And I think it's a weird thing, I think, for people to hear you say you love somebody yeah. in a business setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you frequently can hear, I hate this, or I hate this person, mm-hmm. or I hate this thing. <laughs> but it's really rare sometimes to hear, I love you, or love mentioned. Why do you think that is? I love that question. I don't know exactly why it is, except that love makes people feel really uncomfortable at work. Mm. And I, and partially I kind of feel like because um, we've been taught for so long, and that's why I'm, I'm excited about where we are in, this, in the world right now, because we've been taught for so long that you put this facade on and, and professionalism and how it's been defined is a far cry from how you would show up at home and with mm-hmm. your family, right? Mm-hmm. But here we are in 2020 in the middle of a global pandemic where you couldn't get closer to being into someone's home unless you were there. Right. 
where our our homes have become our offices. And so yeah. we see children and dogs and spouses yeah. making cameos. And so it's a little harder in terms of that, hey, this is what professionalism looks like to mm. separate who you are from home and who you are at work. Yeah. And the question that I have is, why did we do that for so long? Mm. I tell my team members I love them too. And I, and again, you have to be really careful and, and I'm in HR, right? So I understand so like I. <laughs> when we talk about love, it's not that creepy love that makes you call HR. Right? Right. <laughs> it's not, but it's that like, what is love? It's that compassion. It's that mm. like desire to want people to succeed and to want mm. the best for someone to understand them, to give them more grace because you love them. Mm. Um, and I think it's something that, and in the last five years, we've seen a lot of provocative podcasts and TED Talks and leaders are kind of starting to embark on this new frontier of what leadership looks like mm -hmm. and inspirational leadership. And so you see TED Talks about radical candor. You see TED Talks uh, where leaders are challenging themselves to bring the human back to work. Mm -hmm. And when I look at all of that, I'm like, yeah, that's that's love. Mm-hmm. Being able to be honest with someone um, in the spirit of correcting them and guiding them and wanting them to do better, that's love. Yeah. So let's just call it what it is. And I think that my favorite mantra is do everything with love. Mm -hmm. And I think if, if you ask yourself, what does love look like in this moment? What would doing this with love look like? I think it changes what you would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the question so, is, yeah. if you're not, then what are you leading with? Mm. If you're not leading with love, how are you leading? Right. I think that's where I, the, the challenge, I think, even for me, that I'm a self-professed lover. Uh, I'm a lover, not a fighter, like Michael Jackson says <laughs> in, in in his song with Paul McCartney, The Girl Is Mine. That That's a reference. Brian can put a link to the video because I love that. <laughs> but I think part of what I'm feeling challenged about is, it is extremely easy to love somebody when they're lovable and they want to love you back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is extremely hard to love somebody yeah. when they quote unquote don't deserve it or they hate you and they give you some, you know, evil back. Yeah. How, how do you choose love when it's not coming <laughs> back at you? Yeah. So then now we're talking about for me what my definition of love is mm -hmm. and it's changed over time. Mm hmm. And a, a lot of times we see this push and this need for reciprocity with love. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't look at love that way. Mm -hmm. I look at love as being in its definition unrequited. Mm. So when I look at it that way, it doesn't change how hard or how easy it is for me to love someone. They may not always be in a position to receive it. Mm -hmm. or understand it mm -hmm. but how it flows for me doesn't change because of how someone else is mm -hmm. and I think that I haven't always been that way I was very much um for a long time like if I give you this love I expect the love in return and if you don't give it back to me then like screw you right <laughs> right like I'm not gonna give you any love anymore and it took a lot of time and, and I had to realize too I started um I started actually I was born into a Christian household, raised a Jehovah's Witness for some time, raised in a Baptist church for some time, mm -hmm. went to a non-denominational non Christian church for some time, and developed this love. I had a Muslim really good friend growing up in high school, mm -hmm. and I developed this love for um, religion and studying religion. Mm -hmm. 
and I picked up Buddhism mm. and um, I started just studying Tibetan Buddhism. And one of one of the the noble truths in Buddhism is, you know, the the um, root of all suffering is attachment. Mm-hmm. And I, I really studied that and thought deeply about what that meant for me in regards to love. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking my ego is what has been telling me that if I give love, I need to give it back. Mm. But I, that also means for me in my definition of love that I haven't actually been giving love. Mm. I've been giving incentive for someone to attach themselves back to me the way that I felt I was attaching myself to them. Interesting. And when I chose yeah. that attachment to a person and they didn't love me in quotations back, I, that feeling of rejection or like that you don't love me, it hurts more. But if I can give my love unrequited and how I show up with how does love look like for me, Mm -hmm. I don't attach that to needing something back from you. Mm -hmm. And so in a way, it also removes that feeling of suffering for me. Mm -hmm. It's freeing, actually, for me to say I'm going to show up in love no matter what. This is my way because I'm actually protecting myself because the love that I have that's flowing for me has nothing to do actually with what you're giving me. Mm. Like it, it's coming from the peace I have within. And it took a long time to get there. Yeah, that's powerful. I mean, I, I, I love the thought of that. I'm not there. I'm going to tell y'all, audience, I'm not there. No, in all fairness, she did say it took her a while to it's get there. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I'm fascinated by it. And I and I want to be there. I want to be there. I know, like I said, I can very easily love people who, who return love. Yeah. But I, I have to figure out what it is that I'm going to be regardless of whatever somebody else is back to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes it, it's been especially tough in this political climate yeah. to yeah. reciprocate that or live life in the, in the manner you're talking. Yeah. It's been so challenging. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I commend you and I love that you're there and I love that you had to fight to be there. Yeah. <laughs> talking about fighting, but I'm glad that you're there because I think you can inspire other people to dig deep and think about where they're at. You know, and people are probably at different places on the spectrum. One hundred percent. You know, for where you are, and yeah. I think it's it's interesting to look deeper to figure out where you want to be with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing that I I would I would clarify too is that this love and this optimism that I have, um, it's not this Pollyanna like clueless about what's going on about me mm-hmm. and around me type of love. Mm-hmm. My love is more so um, a product of having to reach a crossroads of Mm. what, because I'm an empath and I feel very deeply. Yes. And I experience emotions and I put things together and and try to think through um, the impact that actions that other people have and my own actions have. And and because I feel deeply and I understand deeply Mm -hmm. on a large scale for me, where I am has also been a form of Mm self-preservation for my own of myself sure um because i i did read a crossroads actually the crossroads that i came to actually was around uh the time of trayvon martin mm-hmm. and i have two young black brothers and i have several black cousins of a black father in my life and i remember being so deeply angry mm-hmm. that it consumed me mm-hmm. to the point where i couldn't really see the light that was inside of me And I had to have a conversation with myself, like, 
being Pollyanna, and there are certainly a lot of people in the world and in our country who have this Pollyanna positivity that if we just forget it and start anew, we'll be okay mm-hmm. viewpoint. And then we have the other end of the spectrum where we're so consumed with hatred that we can't see a way forward. Mm-hmm. And for me, I had to find the center and balance of feeling both of those emotions very deeply mm-hmm. and figuring out where I was going to go based off mm-hmm. of, I don't want to be consumed by anger, mm-hmm. but I have seen love and I have seen the power of that love. I didn't start angry. Mm-hmm. How do I get back to that? Mm-hmm. And because I've experienced it before, I know that there's a way back to it and I had to find my way yeah. back to it. Yeah. Um, but it's not a Pollyanna everything is roses and everyone wakes up and shoots like unicorn like stars and rainbows yeah. like from their head like yeah. I, it's not that at all yeah. but it takes a lot of self-reflection and going deep into yourself yeah to figure out where you need to be with that yeah yeah i love that well you are incredibly inspirational you always oh. have been <laughs> and you continue to be and we are so honored and privileged to have you on our show so thank you for that so if our listeners want to get in touch with you or follow you like how can they do that yeah so i'm actually i wasn't gonna say this at the beginning but i'll say it now because i do believe in balance i'm on instagram i'm on linkedin if you want to find me to to network from a professional perspective my name is kiera williams k-i-e-r-r-a williams um, but I am on Instagram. My my handle is at balance underscore is underscore key. K-I Perfect. underscore. I think there's an underscore yes. after that too. Well, we will definitely link it into the podcast notes awesome. so people can get in touch with you. We're really excited. Thank you for being yeah, thank here. Thank you for being here. With both, both of you ladies running the show today, it's been a really easy uh, project <laughs> for me. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that too. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was going to be longer. I was like waiting for more questions. We have to do, we should do a redo and like ask more questions. (laughs) We can always do a part two. Can we do a part two? Of course we can do a part two. We can do a part two. And we'd love for listeners to be in touch with us as well. At enbwpodcast at gmail.com. That's right. So please like, share, and subscribe. We appreciate all of you listening. Thank you for joining us again. And that is the show for today. And we will see y'all again later. Take care. Bye.